welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, but we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, online to another message in our series in the book of Mark, where we're taking a look at the life of Jesus and his teachings and applying them to our daily lives. Last week, we looked at the character of Peter and his epic failure to follow through for Jesus. And we examined our own lives and what do we do when we epically fail. We talked a lot about what is resilience. Resilience is, is truly not giving up when we fail. And Peter was an exact definition of a life that was resilient. He continued to fail, but yet he continued to run back to Jesus every time and was welcomed back to the arms of Jesus. And we can likewise follow his examples no matter how much we failed. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to fail quite like Peter did when he denied Jesus three times, when he wasn't there for him in the garden, when he looked around and he doubted him and sank into the sea. We may not feel quite like Peter, but our failures are very personal and very painful. And whether it's to Jesus himself or to one of his beloved children on earth, our failures leave us really confused, doubting, maybe even sometimes giving up. So we must be resilient. We must remember that Jesus is always there. And so now today, we're going to take a next step in this story of Jesus' last moments on earth, and we're going to examine another character that replicates us quite a bit in many ways, but for some, maybe more than others, and that is Pilate. Now, so often we think of Pilate as just a passing character in scriptures, but there are some things that are revealed in the trial of Jesus that I really feel can connect with where we walk in our personal lives. And so we're going to examine three particular questions that Pilate asked and really I think they're going to apply mightily in our own life. And so we're going to kind of pick apart uh, the first 20 verses in Mark chapter 15, and then we're going to jump to John as well because he has one particular question that he gives Jesus that I believe is extremely important for us today. And so within that context, let's get into it today. And I'll just quickly, briefly read the first five verses in Mark 15, and, and then we'll go from there. As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priest tied Jesus up and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Okay, just one quick pause there. Remember from last week, they already agreed as a whole community of believers that Jesus was blasphemous. That is, he claimed to be God when he was not. And in, in Jerusalem, in, 
in all of Judea, in, in, in all of Israel, in fact, this was like the supreme evil that a person could do against the people of Israel. You couldn't get any worse. Claiming to be God when you are not. That was horrible. Blasphemy was as bad as it could get. And as we will read in John 18 in just a little bit, we will understand that for some reason at this time, we don't give the, get the clues there, that they as the Israelites could not kill a person at that time. Though it was con condoned and it would be considered death sentence in their community, they were not able to do it during the time of Passover. And so then they brought it to the Romans because they knew that they could have them killed through the Romans, which, of course, fulfilled Scripture in the Old Testament, which Jesus continually points back to that he was going to fulfill all of Scripture, and here was just another reason of how he did it. And so continuing on, verse 2. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look at how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer. So Pilate was amazed. Interesting. So the Israelites bring Jesus to Pilate. They give him all of these facts of how Jesus is this horrible person that needs to be put to death. And what does Pilate do? He's like, well, here's, here's the prosecutors. Here's what they're telling me. Now in the law of court, you need to have a defense. Jesus, what's your defense? And he remains silent. He doesn't say a thing. Now, Mark doesn't give the account of what they were accusing Jesus of, but in Luke, he does. And so in Luke 23, verse 2, we read that the man had been leading our people astray. This is what the Israelites are prosecuting Jesus on, right? This is what they are presenting to Pilate. He has been leading our people astray by telling them Listen to this, to not pay their taxes to the Roman governor and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. Now, truly that was the case on the back end, but on the front end, Jesus never said anything about not paying taxes. He, what did he say? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Pay your taxes. But ultimately, give to God first, right? He wasn't discrediting the fact that you should pay your taxes, and then when he claimed to be a king, what were they trying to do? They were trying to make it appear as if Jesus was trying to overthrow Caesar. And of course, Jesus never tried to do that. His kingdom was not of this world. And so what were they doing? They were trying to frame Jesus in a way that would have him somehow disregard the law of the land of the Romans. And though they presented facts, they were kind of half-truths. They weren't full truth, right? So these religious elites knew that Pilate would throw out their case if the real reason for why they hated Jesus 
was presented. If they were to come and say that Jesus claims to be God, Pilate would look at them and say, of course there's many gods. What are you doing here? Get out. I have no time for this. Right? Because in the Roman world, in the Greek mythology, there was gods everywhere. There's a god for everything. And so they knew that there was no way they were going to get Jesus accused and put to death if they did it for the real reasons. And so they presented him as not paying taxes and as claiming to be king. And so Pilate seemed to see right through their accusations, didn't he? He's like, aren't you going to answer? Give, give, give something. Well, again, Jesus didn't answer because he came to fulfill his purpose, which was to fulfill Scripture, which was, in fact, to give his life. And so in that moment, he could have shut down every accusation that they made against him because they were false. They had no way of proving it other than false testimony, which, of course, wouldn't get them anywhere and didn't get them anywhere last week when we read all the false testimonies that didn't agree. Right? They, they failed. And Jesus, as he always did, could have came against them and made them look foolish. Why? Because he was God. But he chose not to because he had come for a purpose, to give his life as a ransom for you, for me, so that we could be right with God. And you know, just like Jesus' enemies, our enemy, which in fact is all behind it anyway, <laughs> he's looking to accuse you. He's questioning you. Aren't you going to? You fill in the blank. Right? Aren't you going to sell out for your company? Aren't you going to fill in the blank so you can be recognized, so you can fit in, so that you can be the next great athlete, artist, musician, employee in the company? Manager, CEO, right? cheat on your taxes a little so you can get more back. The government doesn't need it anyway, right? Like, aren't you going to? Jesus came so that he could give his life so we could find ours. He gave his life so we could find ours. And the enemy tried to do everything in his possible power to stop that. He didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. Even though he did, he, he knew it was going to happen. And he didn't fully understand. So there was this battle going on. Did you really come for this? I don't want you on earth anymore. What's going on? And the enemy is going to say the same thing to you. He's going to try to manipulate your life so that you don't live it in a way that would help others find theirs. The enemy doesn't want you to live in a way so you could help others find life in Jesus. Well, the story continues on. This isn't the only powerful question that he pronounces to the people. 
And in verse 6, at the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one man named Barabbas who was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom. Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews to you? Right? <laughs> like, he, like, he saw what the elites were doing. They knew, he knew that it was for just absolute jealousy in fear of Jesus' power and love and grace that they were jealous and that they wanted him murdered. They, he saw it. And he knew it. And so he asked the crowd, you really want to kill this innocent man? There's nothing in him that has done wrong. He's not here trying to fight. He's not trying to lead people astray. He's a good man that's healing and caring and loving. Can't you see what the elites are doing? Well, it was too late. Right? In verse 10, in fact, it says, for he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over, right? Like, they were full of jealousy, of envy. They didn't like the fact that Jesus was gaining power, and they were losing power. They were losing influence. And, of course, with, with power and influence comes money. They were losing it. Not that Jesus was taking it because he didn't have any money. But it was, again, too late. The chief priest had already stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. And Pilate then asked them again, then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Again, they shouted, crucify him. Right? I mean, there's so much power in the mob. And all it took was the chief priests, the elites, to stand up and say, crucify him. And everybody knew that if they would cross the religious elites, the ones that were in power, they could be in jeopardy of losing their place in the family of God, which was everything to them. That was their identity. Being welcomed into the family was everything in a spiritual sense. You lose that you lose your place in community, in fact, in the state itself of Israel. That's, that's how you got in. Otherwise, you were welcomed in as an outcast, as a sojourner. You didn't have identity. You didn't have power. You didn't get to go in and offer sacrifices. It was very religious, very, very connected. Religion and state were one. And so maybe they were worried about losing their status as a citizen. Maybe they were, maybe they were offered that if, if you follow through with us, and maybe there was just a handful of them that they gathered around and said, we'll give you this if you, if you join in. We can win the crowd. Whatever the case was, they'd already gotten to him, and they wanted him crucified when just days earlier. They came in laying down their coats and worshiping Jesus. The power of the crowd. So Pilate asked them again, why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed them over and crucified him. Man, after screaming, crucify him. Crucify Jesus. Pilate calls out, what has he done wrong? 
what has he done wrong? It's a powerful statement. Right? And the first statement, <laughs> aren't you going to answer? Revealed that he saw that there was something more going on. But Jesus didn't back down. He didn't back down from who he was called to be, Savior of the world, to bring life so that all could have life. Give us freedom. And in, and in this moment, we see that Pilate saw it too. He saw who Jesus was, at least in his innocence. And it revealed that though Pilate was an evil man, history reveals this very clearly, that, that Pilate was not a very good man. He was not nice. It, re it definitely revealed that he wasn't out to harm innocent people. right? He was only against those who were trying to remove him from power. right? He, he wasn't out there slaughtering people just for the fun of it. But it also really highlights his true motivation. He was willing to go and do whatever satisfied others so that he could remain in power. Uh, Alan Cole put it this way. He's a wonderful commentator. said, Pilate was now a natural monster. He wasn't some monster, right? He was a man of like passions to us. That is what makes this story such a warning. Pilate is a man just like you and I. I should say a human. <laughs> He's a person. And when, when push came to shove and he was looking at the crowd, he understood that if he actually stood up for Jesus and did what was right, he would have been removed from power in an instant because that crowd would have exploded and he would have anarchy on his hands. He had no other option if he wanted to keep power. And so he had an innocent man slaughtered. And as we'll read next week, he had a long process of getting to that point of hanging on the cross and dying for our sins. He wasn't just hung on a cross and died. No, he was beaten. He was insulted. He was abandoned. But it is, as Cole put it, he was a man of like passions to us, and that's what makes the story such a warning. That's something we need to really contemplate for ourselves. Are we willing to stand up to do what is right, even in the face of potentially losing our job, losing our friends, losing everything? losing that car, losing that trip? Are we willing to stand up no matter what? So that brings us to our final statement of Pilate. And this is found in John chapter 18. And I want to read it to you. It is such a powerful story of kind of a, a, a summary, if you will, of, of what we've read, but then it really hones in on one moment where Jesus, it, it just, there's just a sliver of Jesus 
looking at Pilate and giving him a chance to change, giving him a chance, one chance to say, I need, I need a savior. I want to hear the truth. It was just Pilate and Jesus, right? So let's read this. This is um, John chapter 18, verse 28 through 38. So 10 just brief verses in the Bible that reveals the heart of Jesus even when he is in extreme circumstances. They let Jesus from Caiaphas, okay, so this is, again, starting back where we began this morning or today. And Caiaphas was the high priest, right? Like he was the man. And so they led him from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, right, to prepare themselves. And they wanted Jesus to be executed that day. So they're hastening this process, right? So Pilate came out and said to them, what charges do you bring against this man? They answered, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, you take him and judge him according to your law. I don't give a rip, right? Like, what? I don't care. He hasn't done anything wrong to us as Romans. And then, you know, they start bringing it on. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die, right? So everything is going back to what scriptures have said. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Right? So here is Jesus and Pilate, one-on-one. And Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? Now, I am not a man, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation, the chief priest, handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked, right? Getting into this, right? So you're not here to overthrow me, okay? So there's nothing that I need to be worried about. And then Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. I was born for this. And I've come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So he is just peering into Pilate. He's looking at him and he's saying, here it is, Pilate. Here's the truth. I have come testify of the truth. And then Pilate responds, what is the truth? After all he heard, listen to the prosecution of Jesus, all the evil things that Jesus has done. He takes Jesus back and he talks to him. He knows that Jesus is an innocent man. He's heard enough from these evil, malicious elites that just want to kill. 
He's one-on-one with Jesus. He doesn't trust them anymore. And he looks at Jesus, and Jesus says, I testify the truth. Pilate, will you listen? Will you hear me? But Jesus is coming in bloodied. He's been beaten already. They beat him with clubs. They punched him. They spit in his face. They put that crown on him and inhaled him, king of the Jews. They did all these things already. These are the Jews. They're trying to send him on to Pilate, already sleep-deprived, already beaten, bloodied, ridiculed. In his pain and in his anguish, he looks at Pilate. He says, Pilate, I'm not here to compete against you. I'm here to tell you the truth. I am a king. I am the king of the world. You can be the king of Rome. I don't care. Or of this little Palestinian town. You oversee it. You're not truly the king. Caesar is the king. You're just a ruler in his kingdom. I'm not here to mess with you or your king. I'm over it all. Pilate, you hear the truth. You hear me. What does Pilate say? What is truth? Do you want to hear it? He walked away. He walked away knowing that Jesus was in fact he walked away, and he pronounced him not guilty. He washed his hands and said, the blood's on you. He walked away. And we don't know whatever happened to Pilate after that. He had an opportunity, though. But it's the same way with every single person on this world. Jesus looks out no matter who you are, how an evil person you may have been in your life. And he says, I am truth. I am here to make you right with God, the Father. I've given you an opportunity to, to enter into the kingdom of God and be in his presence, a holy God, pure and perfect, undefiled by any evil, and he will wipe away your sin all your sorrow, all your pain, everything that inflicts you, he, he'll welcome you in. But you have to accept it. You have to believe it. You have to receive it. You have to give your life to him. He said, I'm yours. We don't see that Pilate actually did that. But he still was offered it. And Jesus offers it to you. Will you receive it? say yes. I don't know if Pilate did. It doesn't seem like he did because he delivered up the Savior to be crucified. He was weak-kneed. Jesus, this is why I came. I don't need to speak because I came for a different purpose. I came to give my life so that others could find theirs. And for some of you today that are listening, that is your call in life, too. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, if you've welcomed him into your life and said, I'm yours, I have no other way to be right with God, I can't do it on my own. I want to be in the kingdom of God when I pass from this earth into the next life. 
if you've given your life to him, you have one purpose left on earth, and that is to give your life so that others can find theirs. Will you do that? Right? I love how, how Paul put it in Romans. I just want to read that for you today. Romans 5, 6, and 8. It says, for while we were still helpless, right? This is what Jesus has done for us. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us while we we're still helpless. We had no way to be right with God the Father. So Jesus came. For rarely will someone die for just for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were helpless, while we couldn't do it on our own, Christ died for us. Jesus gave up his life so he could find ours. And that is what we're called to do. We're called to follow in line with our master, Jesus. To give our lives so others could find theirs. And so, Father, I pray that for every person listening today, that they would first receive the gift of Jesus' life for ours so that we could be seen as his own son, the Father's son, Jesus. Your blood poured out so that we could be seen as your own. And then likewise, I pray that we could live our lives, not that we can save anybody, but that we would direct them towards you so that they could find their life. May we live our lives so that others can find theirs, a life in Jesus. Give them the wisdom, the strength, your Holy Spirit to follow through as a disciple of Jesus. In your name, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today, Nexus Church family online. And we encourage you to find a church, to connect to a family of God where you can grow and you can get connected with others that will encourage you, will pray with you, will walk with you in this life. We need each other. We need to encourage one another. And so my prayer for you this week is that you would connect to a local church body somewhere, somehow and make it yours. Find your place to serve Jesus and his kingdom. We'll see you again next time.